Amen. Wow. Thank you, team. Wow. Praise him that reigns forevermore. Aren't you, aren't you glad that you serve one, you can know one, that, 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 that's the same yesterday, day, and tomorrow, that, that he's not going to change with some new ph philosophy of man, but, folks, God is always the same, and he will be when, 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 when time comes to an end. I thank God for each of you. I want to ask you to take your Bibles today and, and turn to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We're going to be looking today and, and using it as a, as a jumping point and, and, and this type of an idea for a, a, a little series that I want to work through. As a matter of fact, I, I, I dealt with this about 10 years ago, and I thought, well, for those of you that were here 10 years ago, I'm sure you've already forgot it, and, and, and for many of you that, that were not here. But I tell you what, that, that God's Word is, 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 is even better than any song because, because when you hear it and you go back and you repeat it, you, you learn lyrics that you've never heard before. And, and, and we want to take and, and look at um, God's Word to challenge you as well as me. Today we're going to be looking at and beginning a, a series that I'm going to call Don't Waste Your Life. As a matter of fact, this, the, the title of this series actually came from many years ago. I picked up a book by one of my favorite authors, John Piper, and really didn't know what it was about, but the, the, the name of the book just intrigued me. But as I read that, and, and God really convicted me about what this life is all about. And, um, and so from that, I, I just want to challenge you today. I pray that God challenges your heart just like I've challenged. And that, that was, it was long before I picked up that book that these questions were running within my mind um, about what is life all about. And, and, and um, I guess one of the greatest fears that, that, I, that I've had, even as a young man, is, is God, does my life count? Does it really matter? Because I guess one of the things, that the fears that have driven me over the years is I don't want to get to the end of my life and then ask, what if? And I think a lot of people are haunted by those what ifs. And I, I pray today that God would begin to, to make you consider those things. You know, when you, when you get to those latter moments within your life, how are you going to look back? Are you going to ask yourself, what if? I'd have done this. What if I'd have followed Christ? What if I had um, stepped out or instead of staying within my comfort zone? And I want you to ask yourself this question. You know, when you get to the end of your life, what's going to be the answer when you ask yourself, did my life really matter? I tell you, folks, that's a simple, but that's a profound question. So what we're going to do beginning today and, and, and over the last next several weeks, I want to take some certain subject matters, and I want to, to, to address these particular matters, and so that we can stop and use God's Word as a mirror to our soul. And so just consider these, and I, I thought the greatest jumping off point, the greatest point is, is by a guy that was near the end of his life. And as he stopped and he was considering those particular questions, the Apostle Paul, and how he answered those particular questions. And, and that's what I want to look at this morning as, as we look at this particular passage and then, and then move through there or asking ourselves, God, how can I live a life that's not wasted? So if you'd stand with me and, um, and um, if, you, if you found 2 Timothy, um, if you found that, say amen. That's right near the end of your Bible. It's, it's, it's really the last 
book or letter that the Apostle Paul had written. He was in the very latter part of his stages. He was in prison at this time. He pretty well knew that his death sentence had already been signed off on, and it was just absolutely, he was waiting for that time to meet his Lord. And, and so, you know, when you get pretty serious when you know those are your last moments, and you, you say the things that are, that are most important, the Apostle Paul was writing to a young man by the name of Timothy, a young man that he had poured his life into. Paul had mentored him so that Paul could pass the torch. And I think that's a challenge within each of ourselves that every one of us that have been believers, um, that are believers, that we should be pouring ourselves into someone else. You might say, Pastor, I don't know very much. I guarantee you, you know more, more than some people out there. And that, that, that we should be pouring our lives into others, just like Paul did with, with, um, with um, Timothy, as well as Silas, and, and, and just many others. And wow, what a world would be, what a, how the world would be better if each of us would take that, that we're going to pour our life into someone else. But as, as he was coming to the conclusion of this, this, this letter that he was re, re, um, writing, this very last letter, listen to what he says about, as you know that these questions have went in his mind, God, did my life matter? God, do I have any what ifs left in my life? Let's see how Paul answered those questions. And what I'm praying is you'll use those as a mirror to your soul. As Paul writes these words in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, I want in verse 6, he says, For I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. And, and, and a drink offering was that offering that when a sacrifice was made, that, 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 that the, to pour a drink offering of that so the incense for the, the, the sin of that would rise up. And, and, and Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be poured out now. My sacrifice has been made. And now to just top that sacrifice, I just pray that I can be poured out as a sweet incense to our Lord. He says, I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wherefore, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. But, but not only to me, and this is so important, not only to me, this is not the, I'm not the only one that can claim this, but also to all who loved his appearing. This is available to all. Now, Father, I pray that you bless these words, God, and, and Lord, that you would use them to, to cut within our heart. Your, your, word, your Bible says that, God, your word is like a two-edged sword, dear Father, that I pray that it would just cut asunder, even within our soul and spirit, that, God, that, that, that Lord, that you would not leave us alone, that, God, that you would love us enough, that, that God, if there's anything within our lives that, that needs to be cut aside today, that you would do that. And God, that you would just move. And God, that you would quicken our spirit and make us alive, dear Father. Alive of who we are, alive for who you are, alive for what that you've called us to be. God, open our eyes so that we can see. In the name of Jesus, I pray against any spirit of, of, of blindness or spirit of deception or doubt. God, today, that you would bring life, that you would open eyes. The God, that you would help us be brave enough to ask the hard questions of life. And God, then do something about them. So, Father, we pray that you bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. And amen.
Again, this, this passage of Scripture has always captivated me. I, as a matter of fact, years ago when I began to just grow in Christ, and I, I picked up at that time a, a, a living Bible. It was more of a paraphrase at that time, and, 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 but I began to read through it, and I could begin to understand it as, as it began to flow to me. And I, I read it, and I, I started over in Matthew and read through the Gospels. And when I got to the letters of Paul, it intrigued me so much. And I remember one night as I was reading in the letters of Paul, and I believe it was in Timothy itself, I, I cannot tell you for sure, but I'm, I'm almost positive, that a spirit of conviction fell upon me as Paul was speaking about his life to Timothy. And I remember telling God in all my honesty as well as I could, I said, God, I don't love you as much as Paul loves you. Because I've not put my life out there. Like Paul did. I'm just being honest to God, but God, Paul has something that I don't have. Not that I was questioning my salvation, but I just knew that where I was within my life, there was so much more. And I read about, read the Apostle Paul and his passion for Christ deep within my soul. I wanted that. And boy, Paul really began to sum up his life in these particular verses. When he closed these words and, and, you know, he says that I fought the good fight and I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Matter of fact, these, these words have intrigued me so much that years ago, and it's been years ago when I was in seminary, we were taking a, a preaching class. We'd have to write many sermons, but then for our final, we had to preach a sermon. And boy, if that's not fun, you know, before a preaching professor and all these other guys studying. And this is the very text that I used. The message or the name of that sermon is, was the last thoughts of a dying man. Because again, that idea has always intrigued me. God, what am I going to say in my dying days? But I want to take that and I want to look at it as a, as a, as in another way today because I want to take these words of the Apostle Paul, that they would be a mirror that as we looked into them that, that, that we, could, we could begin to examine ourselves by. Because I, as I read this, there are several observations that the Apostle Paul was, was, was um, or, or saying that when he wrote these words, that, that, that first of all, he, he, he understood that the brevity of time. He said, I know that the time of my departure is at hand. He'd grown old physically, but now he knew that time was grow, grow, um, grow, growing close to the end. And he knew it was near. And folks, you and me need to understand that because life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. And for man, even if we live to be an old age, that is nothing then compared to eternity. But Paul understood the brevity of his time on earth, but he also, he had a piece of a life well lived. As you look back over his life, he says, I fought the good fight. He had a peace that, that God, I gave it everything I had when, when, when I played ball, that there was a, a saying that was used is don't leave anything on the field. You give everything you have. And I think that's what Paul was saying. I left it all on the field. I gave it all. And so he had that peace of knowing of a life well lived and, and also that of a, 
of a task completed that he had fulfilled what, what God had called him to when he, when he, said, these, when he said these words. Now, I, I thought the good, fine, I, I, I finished the course, I finished the race. Now, Paul was realizing that that for which God had called me, I finished the course. He also had, he had that security of, a, of that steadfast faith. He said, you know what, I've also kept the faith. There's been good times in my life. There's been bad times in my life. There's been times my faith has been challenged. I know Eddie has been preaching and teaching through 2 Corinthians. You really, if you really want to hear the emotions of Paul, read 2 Corinthians because, because he was getting attacked from every side and he was just pouring his life out. But you know that through it all, he kept the faith. You know, how many people walk away when they receive the attacks of life? But he also had confidence in the day of judgment. He says, I'm not afraid to meet my maker. He says, because one day I'll be standing before the righteous judge and I'm going to receive the crown of life. And so therefore, you can sum up what Paul was saying and he says, you know what, I've not wasted my life. And folks, every one of us, if God is gracious, that we're going to come to that point in our life, we're going to begin to look over the, the scope of, of our life and are you going to be able to say the same thing? Are you, are you going to be able to say that, that, that I have the peace of a life well lived? And, and do I have the, uh, just the joy of a task completed? Or the security that I was steadfast in my faith? Or are you going to be ready to, to meet your judge? Or are you going to be dealing with excuses and, and what ifs? And folks, I challenge you today to I challenge you today to seek within your heart that you can say is Paul that I thank God that my life was not wasted. But what is that going to take? What, what are we going to have to do? What are some of the basic principles to, to know that, that, that I, can, I can say is Paul that that I fought the good fight, that I finished the race, I've kept the faith, and there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Because, folks, it's offered to you, because Paul says, it's not only for me, but all those who love is appearing. And that idea of loving is appearing, that one day when Jesus comes back, and he comes back unannounced, that, that, that there's going to be some people that are so excited that Jesus is there, there's others going to be saying, no, not now, Jesus, I'm not ready. There's still things I need to do. Which will you be? And so let us stop and let us examine. Let's just walk through some very basic principles that we can, we can find in the life of Paul that, that we can apply within our life. And, and the first thing that I want to share with you, a li uh, to live a life, a life that's not wasted, is first of all, you need to understand the supreme value of life itself. We studied about this last week and and the Sanctity of Life Sunday, we, 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 we developed this throughout the entire message. That folks, how we see our life is much how we'll live. 
And if we begin to stop and examine our lives as God understands our life, it will change everything. First of all, that our life is a gift from God. The Word of God says, for God created us and not we ourselves. And that we are the sheep of His pasture. It's not about me, it's about God and this great gift that He's given us. And every day we open our eyes and breathe the breath and, and be able to respond to the people and the environment around it. But most of all, that we can respond to God. Folks, that's a gift from God. That's His grace. And we need to understand that, that life is good. And, and we need to know that, that Jesus came not that we might uh, be destroyed, but that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And is that how you view life? That life is a gift from God and, and praising for the beauty of life. The psalmist says, I'm, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Instead of looking around at other people and, and saying, God, look at that person. They're prettier than me or they're thinner than me. They're smarter than me. Folks, that's a losing battle. The Word of God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God designs you just as he would. You're a masterpiece. We talked about that last week. That this God, life that God has give, given me is gifted from him. But also... Life is purposeful, that I have purpose within our life. As Jeremiah the prophet writes, for I know the thoughts, for I know the plans that I have for you, that God, before the foundation of the world, before you were even conceived in your mother's womb, God was thinking about you. And God was laying out a plan for you. And he says, you know, plans of peace and not evil. God's plans for you is peace. And not for you to be troubled, to give you a hope and a future. And just to think about it, that the God that created all things, the God that created me that in, in, and in my mother's womb that I was fearfully and wonderfully made, that he has a purpose, that my life means something because God has given me purpose. He's already thought out my plans. I think that's pretty cool. You know, don't let anybody tell you that you're an accident, that you don't mean anything. Folks, you mean everything to God. So much that he knew you from the foundation of the world, and he's the one that, 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 that created you, and, and he's the one that made plans for you. And because of that, your life has meaning. You have much meaning within your life, and that you're of great value. You're of great value to God. You're of great value to others. How valuable are you? God gave his only begotten son to you, for you. You are, you are worth the very best of heaven that God would send his own son to sit in your judgment for you. So don't ever question whether does God love me. All you have to do is look at the cross and you'll know just how much God loves you. Don't you ever allow yourself to, to think that, that I have no value. Well, God gave the very best for you. And you're valuable also to others. And so you need to understand, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, you, to live a life that's not wasted, you need to understand the, the, the supreme value of life that God has given you and what God has purposed for you. That you are a somebody that you have meaning, that you can make a difference. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because again, how you view your life is how you'll live your life. 
And I just pray that you'll live your life fulfilling God's purpose and meaning. Well, let's just look at some other things. You know, a life that's not wasted also is a life that's, that's willing to take risk by living outside of one's comfort zone and living by, beyond oneself. You know, sadly, most people live their life with boundaries that either they've placed on their life or boundaries that other people have placed on their life. Of boundaries that the the, uh, the I can't that that I can't do this or I, I can't do that or or you've heard other people say no you can't do that and and so that they put you in these little fences and as long as you live within those little fences you feel safe but but you're you're afraid to cross those I can't fences or you can't fences folks you'll never fulfill God's purpose and plans for your life until you step outside of those boundaries god has more for you than those boundaries in god that you have put on yourself you have to be willing to take a risk if you please and and when i say risk i'm, I'm talking about risky for what seems to us because the psalmist said these words this is how most people live their lives the psalmist says some trust in chariots and some in horses some only live their lives of what they feel that, that I can do as a man or, or, or things that can be done in the natural. But the psalmist didn't stop there. But he says, that's how some people live. And in all reality, that's how most people live their lives. But he continued the song, he said, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We're going to remember the one that, 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 that tells us, as Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do things outside of the boundaries that I had previously put on myself or, or that others have put on me. Because I don't live in the natural, I live in the supernatural. I serve a God that created the world. I, 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 I serve a God that took death and made life out of it. I, took it, I serve a God who says, my grace is sufficient for you. That he will provide every one of my needs. And folks, I challenge you today not to get caught up in your self-doubt and, and in the fences that you've built. Paul was a guy that that lived his life in the, in the eyes of the world very risky. There was a certain time in the Apostles Paul's life that, that he was heading back to Jerusalem. And man, there was so much tension about this, this, this new court, basically, in the minds of people that have been started by, by this, this, this carpenter from Galilee. And people were furious at Paul. And, and, and as Paul was heading back to Jerusalem, he met with a group of Ephesian elders. And they begged Paul, don't go. You're, gonna, you're, you're risking your life as you go. And what did Paul say to them? In Acts 20, the, the 22nd verse and following, he says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, knowing that the things that shall befall me there. He says, I know that, guys. I know this is crazy. I know this is crazy in the eyes of the world. I know that. 
I'm not stupid. I'm not blind. But he says, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. He says, I know that. Everywhere I go, people tell me this thing. But you know what he says in verse 24? He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my neither count my life dear unto me so that I might finish my course with joy. That I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. You know, Paul says, you know what, I just want to finish my course. And if risk await me, then risk await me. I, I, I don't count my life because my life was given to me. He's the giver and the taker of life. Folks, how would that change your life? How would that change my life if we begin to just say, God, whatever you want me to do to finish my course, that's what I'm going to do. That I'm going to overcome these fears. I'm going to overcome these so-called risks of the world. You see, no one's ever made a difference for the kingdom of God that didn't step outside of their own comfort zone. You find that throughout Scripture. You, I, I, think about, I think about Esther, this woman that through the providence of God became a, the, the queen in, in, in the Persian Empire. And, and through, the, through the manipulation of a, a man who hated the Jews by the name of Haman, that he had planned a, a, something to destroy all the Jews and the, and the Jewish people. says, Esther, you're our only hope. You need to go to the king. And, and she says, don't you know if I go to the king without being invited, I could be killed? And, and, and they pretty well told her, you know, Esther, if you go or not, you know, God's going God's to bless his people. He's, he's told us, but, but maybe you were born for a time such as this. And boy, how did Esther respond to that? She said, go and gather all the Jews that were present at Shushan and fast for me, neither eat or drink three days or night, and I also and my maidens will fast, and so I will go unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Man, would we, what if we had more Esthers in the world? You know, even if she had died, she had done it for the glory of God. Because, God, I'm trying to save your people. How about those, 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 those three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? These men that, that, that had, 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 they, were, they were in a foreign land, and there was a king there in Babylon that, would, that raised up a huge gold statue of himself, and, and, and that, that when the time when the music played, that everyone had to bow down and worship this God, but... Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this was all a scheme to, to weed out people like them. And, you know, it had been very easy within their mind that they could say, well, you know, God, I still love you, but, you know, God, I'm not going to do you any good dead so that, that, that when, when this happens, I'm going to bow down, but, God, I really, I, I really don't mean it. These guys, you know, because they were told that if they didn't bow down, they would be thrown into a furnace. Folks, they blew those horns. Everybody bowed down. But three guys stood up. And that so infuriated the king, he gave him a second chance. And guess what? It happened again. So the king came to them. He pleaded them. Listen to what they told the king. 
He says, if it so be that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire. If it so be, speaking about if you want to throw us in the fire, you just throw us in the fire. But our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king, one way or the other. He's going to get you, uh, we'll be out of your hand if we burn up, but we'll be out of it if, if God keeps us alive. He says, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Isn't that incredible? And today we live in such a politically correct world that we're even able, we're afraid to even speak of anything because of what somebody might say about us. And these men said, it doesn't matter. You say what you want to say. We're not going to worship your gods. And that's what these guys were saying. Even if we die in the fire, we're going to die for the glory of God. And, we, and we're willing to take that risk. They said, therefore, thousands and thousands of years later, we can look at the Esthers of the world, and we can look at the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's of the world and say, wow, look at those lives that were not wasted. As a matter of fact, when the king saw this, he proclaimed their God the great God. And so, folks, to live a life that's not wasted, we have to be willing to take the risk by living outside of one's comfort zone. And living beyond oneself. Um, when I first came to pastor Rayford Road Church I'm, I heard some laughing and joking going on because you know so many people like to go to the mountains and vacation here and I understood that there was one woman that did not go to the mountains because she hated the mountains they scared her to death Nancy you know who that woman was kind of a joke you know it's kind of a joke mom scared to death them mountains. you know we can't go to the mountains she is scared to death Nancy, I thank God that you stepped out of your comfort zone and God's using you in the mountains of Honduras today. Isn't that something? Man, those smoky mountains, those smoky mountains are nothing more than anthills compared to them mountains in Honduras. But somebody stepped out of their comfort zone and said, God, this scares me to death, but I serve a God that's greater than my fears. For the glory of God. And I can tell that story. I... I think about a young lady that's sitting here that just began to come and she grabbed me one night and said, let me tell you what God's done. And I said, what's God done? She said, you know, I don't ever talk very much. I'm, I'm, I'm so scared. She says, but you know what? God put on my heart that I need to start a prayer meeting at my job. And she says, I fought that thing. But God began to talk to me. And Rose says, I did what God wanted me to do. And God's blessed it for me. You see, you have to step out of your comfort zone. You know why what happens is because that's when God receives the glory, and you don't. See, if, if, God, if we keep in our comfort zones, then we can say, look what I did. But when God will use us, and then he's going to take us outside of our comfort zones because we can say, it's not me, God, but it's you did this. That's what Paul lived his life by. See, that's a life not wasted. 
God, I know that I've served you because you've taken me places I wouldn't have gone on my own. But also you need to understand a life that's not wasted is a life that, that understands the true meaning of life is bigger than live for one himself. We live in a, a selfish society that's all about me. I do it for me. The Apostle Paul writes these things. In Philippians, the third chapter, he says, well, whatever things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yet doubtless I count all things for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, from my suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung, as, as manure, that I may win Christ. Paul says, everything this world has given me, I, I, I've just given it back. It's nothing to me. All I want to know is the excellency of my Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I, I realize now the meaning of the world is not about me. It's not about my self-fulfillment, but it's about the glory of God. That, that life, true meaning of life is bigger than life lived for one themselves. Folks, you live in a small world if all you do is live for your life. God has something bigger for you. But you have, to, you have to step outside of the life that you live for yourself. That is a selfish, miserable world is when all you're doing is that which pleases me. I want to read to you something that, that, that again, that I received from, from, from this, this book that Piper had written it that absolutely gripped my soul. He gives an example, and I want to read it because I want you to be very clear about what, what's being said here. Now, I want you to compare that, that he's talking about tragedies of life. And, and, and he talks about, he talks about um, first of all, two women that I'm sure that when their story came in the newspaper, everybody said, what, what a tragedy. Because he said in April of 2000, Ruby Eliason and, and Linda Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon, West Africa. Ruby was over 80. She had been single all of her life, and she poured it out for the one great thing to make Jesus Christ known amongst the unreached, the poor, and the sick. Laura was a widow. She was a medical doctor pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes of their car failed, and they went over a cliff, and they were both killed instantly. You see, the world calls that a tragedy, God says, for his glory. These two old women, 80 years old, given their life for Jesus Christ, and for a time that only God knows that he brought them home to him. Folks, they died well. They died serving well. But, but then he goes on, and then he explains, this is what a tragedy is. And you listen to this. He says, this is an American tragedy, how not to finish your life. He said, consider the story of February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who took early, requirement from their, early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago. He was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, and they cruise on their 30-foot trawler. They play softball and collect shells. He says, when I first read this, I thought that it might be a joke, but it wasn't. He says, he says I thought it might be a spoof of the American dream, but it wasn't. He said, tragically, this was their dream, to come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and the last great work of your life before you give an account to your creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. He says, picture them before the Christ at the great day of judgment when they say, look, Lord, at my shells. He said, this is a tragedy. 
And folks, that goes on every day. Where people live their life only for themselves. And what are they going to give God one day? Look at my seashells. You see, if you're going to live a life that's not wasted, you you got to understand that the true meaning of life is bigger than life. Live for yourself. And you also have to understand and passionately that fulfill one's ultimate purpose in your life. What's your ultimate purpose? I think the Apostle Paul summed it up very, very well when he was challenging the church of Corinth when he says, you know, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Folks, your ultimate purpose, my ultimate purpose within this world as creations of God in his image is to bring glory to him. And folks, this is what the Apostle Paul said. Even this morning in my devotion time, I was, I was reading in Jeremiah. And the word of God said in Jeremiah, that night, chapter, verse 23, he says, Thus saith the Lord, let not, man, not, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this. He that understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. He says, if you're going to glory, glory in me. It's not about you. It's about me. I'm the one that gave you your wisdom. I'm the one that's given you your strength. I'm the one that's given you your riches. But your ultimate purpose in life is to bring glory to our Creator. You know, when Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, and Jesus said this, he says, you need to love the Lord thy God. He said, you need to do it with passion with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. You need to bring him glory. And Paul said that, you know, he says, you know, I've not apprehended it yet, but, but he says, you know what, I'm going to stretch forth with everything I have that I might receive the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's what man was created for, is that we might bring glory our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you need to understand that it's not big, building bigger houses for ourselves and driving fancy cars that everybody might be impressed at us we need to live our lives so everybody's impressed with the God who created us and died for us we need to point other people to the glory of Jesus Christ that's the true meaning of life and they see you need to also understand that, that it's only through that. It's only happiness, true happiness, can be found in living and enjoying the glory of God. Do you want to be happy? Then fulfill your purpose. I can promise you there's no greater joy is when you give yourself to God and you're stepping outside of your comfort zones and you're living your life where you're glorifying God. Nothing will bring you greater peace. Nothing will bring you better, um, better satisfaction. Nothing will bring you greater joy than when you're fulfilling the purpose of lifting up God so everyone can see. See, our, our, our misery comes when we become self-centered, when we live for ourselves. Our joy comes when we quit looking at ourselves and bring the glory to, cre who cre uh, to God who created us. You see, it's a pretty simple solution 
of happiness and joy is pointed toward Lord Jesus Christ, bringing him the glory. Paul lived for the glory of God. That's why he says, you know, I've, I fought the good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. God, I, laid, I didn't leave anything on the field for you. God, the things that, that I had, I, I counted them nothing. I, I just gave everything to you. And we look back at, at the life of the Apostle Paul or other great people of the faith. You see, we don't remember their possessions. We remember who they were. We look how they changed the world. Look at Jesus Christ. When a young man came that wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus looked at him. I mean, this is Jesus Christ. He says, young man, he says, he said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man, he says, I don't even have a place to lay my head. Here was Jesus Christ that the only thing that he had in this world was a robe on his back, and that was, that was gambled away at the foot of the cross, but God used him to change the world. The apostle Paul died with nothing. As a matter of fact, he'd have to, he, he had to ask other people, could you bring me a blanket? Could you bring me some books? But he died for the glory of God, and he changed the world. And see, that's the people... That's the people that can look back and say, God, I didn't waste it. And I challenge you today as we, we, we close, what about you? As we, we take these words of the Apostle Paul, the, some of the last words he ever wrote, he says, you know, I fought the good fight, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. Can you say the same thing? And I challenge you today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, today, begin to say, God, today, that's how I want to live my life. God, I want to live another day that I've wasted away. And God, I, I, I want you to be glorified through me. I, I want to step out of my comfort zone and so that when people see what, what you're doing through me, that God will receive the glory, and because I, I will not be able to say it, it's anything about me. Is that, is that what you desire? You say, well, Pastor, I've, I've made such a mess of my life. You know what? You can't change yesterday. But through the power of Christ, you can change today and you can change tomorrow. Or he'll change it for you. All he's willing for is people to say, hey, God, I give my life away. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your reasonable act of worship. What God asks you is just give yourself to him as a living sacrifice. I challenge you today to, to consider this. That you would say, God, I want my life to count. You have to empty yourself and say, God, I can't do it within my life. God already knows that. Folks, we sing about grace this morning. He'll give you the grace to do what you can't do for yourself. But he can use you 
can turn this world upside down. You need to begin on your knees. You need to present yourself a little sacrifice. Maybe you're here today, you've never met Jesus as your Lord. I ask you to come to Jesus. Why can we say these things? Because there's a, Jesus, there's a, there's a God in heaven that loved us so much that even while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. He was nailed to a cross for my sin or for yours. He died for our sins. He cleansed us from all our sins. Regardless of your past, his blood will cleanse you. And for those who call upon him, the Bible says, shall be saved. And he'll come, he'll enter us, and he will give us the supernatural power to do that, which we can't do for ourselves. But you have to start at the cross. You have to start with Jesus. How's God speaking to you today? Father, I pray that you bless this time. and God, that Christ would be glorified in this place. God, I, I pray that we'd ask ourselves the hard questions. God, you reveal yourself to us. So God bless this time as we have an opportunity to stand. And, and God, you just do what you want to do in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. And we call this a hymn of invitation. So what are you inviting? We're inviting you. To, if, if God has moved upon your heart, maybe God's challenged your heart today. Maybe you're a Christian here today, but you realize that God, that, that God, I, I'm living within boundaries. And you want to say today, God, I'm, I'm ready to step out of those boundaries. I, I, I want to make a difference for you. I invite you to come. You may need to kneel right here and say, God, I just give myself away today. Or maybe you're here today and you're in need of the Savior. You could not say, Pastor, if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I want to ask you to come and say, Pastor, I need someone to talk to me about Jesus. We'll, we'll take and individually talk to you about your relationship with God. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I invite you to come as we stand, as we sing. Folks, the altar's open. Would you come? I invite you to come. Be the first. Don't be ashamed. Christ was not ashamed for you. Holy Spirit speaking to you right now, I invite you to come. Why don't you just come and talk and say, God, let me be everything you want me to be for you. Jesus made it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed. God loves you. He wants to use you for his glory.